Good morning. It's Monday, November 1st. I'm Shamita Basu. And I'm Duarte Geraldino. This is Apple News Today. Each morning, hear about some of the most fascinating stories in the news and how the world's best journalists are covering them. Today, the Supreme Court hears oral arguments in two cases challenging Texas's restrictive abortion law called SB 8. It bans abortions after around six weeks of pregnancy. That's usually before someone even knows they're pregnant. And later this year, the court is hearing another major abortion case. This is a high-stakes term. So many controversial cases. So we got in touch with Amy Howe. She writes for SCOTUS blog. And as an attorney, she argued cases before the Supreme Court. We asked her about today's arguments. The first case was brought by the Biden administration. The second case was brought by a group of abortion providers in Texas. And both cases started as challenges to the constitutionality of the law. A key legal question involves an unusual aspect of the law. Who enforces it? And the twist is, it's not the state. Instead, the Texas law deputizes enforcement of the law to private individuals and authorizes them to bring lawsuits for up to $10,000 worth of damages against anyone who provides or aids and abets an abortion. And so the question as it comes to the Supreme Court in the case involving the Biden administration is whether or not the United States can bring a lawsuit in federal court against state officials uh, to challenge the constitutionality of SB 8. And then the question in the case brought by the abortion providers is whether or not this enforcement mechanism is one that the state can actually use. Howe explains that means the Supreme Court could rule that the law can't be challenged in federal court, which would be a win for Texas lawmakers. Or it could rule that the state can't make laws that basically insulate themselves from federal court review. Either way, she doesn't think we're going to wait long for a decision. I expect that the court will act quickly. The justices fast-track this one you know, in terms of going from the announcement that they're going to hear oral argument to the oral argument in 10 days. That's really one of the, the fastest tracks, one of the fastest briefing schedules since Bush versus Gore back in 2000. So I would expect that the justices are also going to act very quickly in issuing a decision. Today's arguments won't directly consider whether Roe v. Wade should be overturned, but Howe points out, in December, the court will hear a Mississippi case where that's a central issue. This week, the CDC weighs in on whether to give Pfizer's COVID vaccine to children who are 5 to 11 years old. It is expected to support vaccinating kids, but parents need to know there are some logistics that need to be worked out before their kids can get the shot. NPR spoke with Jeff Zions. He's the White House's COVID-19 response coordinator. He explains, ever since the Food and Drug Administration gave its green light, the government has been working to get ready. Within minutes of the FDA authorization, teams started the work of packing up the vaccines to be shipped. They're packed with special smaller syringes, dry ice, and tracking labels. 
He says parents should start planning now. He hopes shots for these children will be up and running next week. Rolling this out is not exactly the same as it was for adults. So the government is working to get out ahead of the CDC decision. And that's because what these younger children are getting is different from what their parents got. It's a smaller dose. Like Zion says, it's delivered with smaller needles. So it's not as simple as just opening up more appointments. The Biden administration is working to get the new doses to places where young kids already are. Pediatricians' offices, children's hospitals. There will also be mobile clinics and eventually shots offered at schools. We don't have enough primary care doctors here in the U.S. You might have already noticed, it can take longer to see a doctor, and once you do... Your visit is kind of rushed. One way around this is what's called concierge medicine. For a fee, patients get better access to doctors. But the worry is, people who cannot pay are going to be left behind. And as more doctors switch to concierge care, patients have even fewer options. Scientific American takes a look at the landscape of concierge medical services. And the draw of the system isn't just for patients who are looking for faster, more personalized care. For doctors, concierge medicine can mean more money and a more manageable workload. These services, they cost a lot. And that's usually separate from what you're paying to insurance companies. And people who can't afford concierge care, they're left with a shrinking pool of primary care doctors. Scientific American talks to a Harvard Medical School expert on primary care who says all of this is a recipe for a two-tiered system with less wealthy patients being locked out. The article also looks at how concierge care might help improve the broader healthcare system. Now, this might sound a bit counterintuitive, but here's the argument. The growing interest in concierge medicine is a sign that patients do value primary care. That might encourage more doctors to go into primary care, which could help with shortages. Are you the kind of person who can catch a quick nap on your bus, your train, your subway commute? Then you'll know that it comes down to some perfect combination of the white noise, that rumbling motion, and the knowledge that you've got nothing else to do until you reach your destination. This kind of nap culture is really big in Hong Kong. And now there is a bus service where sleeping is the whole point. Yeah, I've been known to take a micro nap and doze on somebody's shoulder. (laughs) (laughs) You know, the Washington Post has a story about a five-hour bus route in Hong Kong that's being marketed as a sort of solution for drowsy commuters. This double-decker bus takes one of the longest routes around the city. And sure, you can see some sights along the way, but the point here is to close your eyes and rest. Just sleep. Yeah, and they really want you to sleep. The company hands out eye masks. They hand out earplugs for people. 40% of people in Hong Kong say that stress affects their quality of sleep. So a rolling mattress might find a lot of customers. You can find all these stories and more in the Apple News app. And while you're in the app, keep listening to hear narrated articles from our News Plus partners. We'll talk to you again tomorrow. Tomorrow.